0: And it's not contrasting God's word with a temporary throwaway earth. He's asked us to care for it so it can flourish as it's intended.
1: Welcome to season four of the Surrender podcast.
2: I'm Craig Petty.
1: And I'm Charlene
2: Santos. This year, we're on a road trip to meet and reconnect with friends who are finding Jesus in the margins.
1: Join us on the road and listen in to stories from around Victoria, in Adelaide, Sydney and beyond, leading up to a national gathering in Melbourne 2023.
2: Here's a chance to listen and learn from those who might have walks different to our own.
1: We're hoping you come away inspired to live out the radical call of Jesus amongst the margins.
2: Sally Shaw is a National Director of Arosha Australia, an international Christian conservation organization. She lives with her husband, Doug, in the Aldinga Eco Arts Village in South Australia and is linked to the local Anglican parish church. She's worked in refugee camps, established an NGO, and has multiple academic degrees. She's presently completing a doctor of ministry, focusing on designing and running a series of workshops on biblical and practical ways to care for God's creation.
1: Well, welcome, Sally, to the Surrender podcast, our first guest for this season. It's so good to have you. And uh, it'd be great just to hear from you in terms
0: of like, where are you actually podcasting from? I live in Aldinga, which is south of, of Adelaide, South Australia, and it's Ghana country.
1: Thanks, Sally. And we're currently podcasting Craig and myself on Rundari country in Nam. So great to have Sally on this podcast episode today.
2: It certainly is. And it was great to meet Sally a couple of times when we were planning our Tartania, our Adelaide surrender, and then to meet you face-to-face then. And thank you for coming on tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about your faith journey and what happened to make you so passionate about Mm. this area of caring for creation?
0: Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I became a Christian when I was 17, actually at a boarding school in the UK. Mm. I trained as a nurse midwife and then later did a discipleship training course with youth with a mission. Mm. And at the time, at the end of that course, I they needed nurses and doctors in the refugee, Cambodian refugee camps. So I joined that team. I was there working as a midwife for quite a few years. Later, I felt God called me to actually go to Cambodia mm. so in the late 80s and to work with World Vision. So I was doing mother and child health and then later community development that's actually where i met my husband my australian husband Mm. uh we then went back to the uk studied at all nations christian college a Mm. great theological college there and then in the really from the 90s to 2007 we were back and forth to cambodia we had some years in australia and then Mm. two boys had two boys and then later adopted a cambodian girl Mm. so then in 2007 we returned to live in south australia and it was while I was doing some re work, getting rid of horrible weeds. Yeah, I had I, these experiences don't happen a lot to me, but uh, I really felt God was calling me as mm-hmm. I was getting rid of these weeds to actually be a spokesperson for the injustice of his earth. And uh, he, yeah, he was greatly distressed and saddened by what we've done. Mm. but he hasn't given up on it Mm. and he loves it. I felt he was calling me to be a spokesperson. And that calling was particularly to the evangelical church. So of course I went, oh my goodness, what about my theology? So Mm. I had to really re-examine my rather narrow evangelical faith, um, which ended, so I ended up at Table Adelaide, Mm -hmm. uh, did lots and lots of studies, which some of it was a master of ministry. And then later, I'm now doing a eco a doctor of ministry, so I focused a lot on eco theology, mm. and uh, really looking in depth what the Bible says about care for creation. Mm. And uh, so now I'm, I've just run two workshops and writing up the results of that. And I, my aim is to offer these workshops or some some type of this workshop to churches, parachurches, churches, youth groups when
2: I've finished. Mm. What a wonderful story and coming from that sense of calling and deep centeredness with God. That's fascinating.
1: And Sally, I guess, yeah, you had such a strong encounter with God there in that moment to continue like thinking about your theology. There are a lot of Christians who don't think caring for creation is important um, or sometimes use other scriptures like. Uh, Matthew 24 about you know natural disasters being a sign of the end times and therefore why even care (laughs) about creation if it's just going to disappear Uh, what kind of things might you say to those people who think that way or you know what's a biblical basis for actually caring for creation
0: Mm, good questions one of the problems and we all do it I do it too Mm. is that we tend to interpret biblical passages with our 21st century Mm. lens and our human lens. And, and I think, you know, we, we think we've understood what God is saying in that fashion, but instead we need to understand what I say is from a theological point of view, not a human point of view, what's God saying to us Mm. about his care for creation and the care is humans, non-humans, the whole cosmos. And Mm. it's actually right there, right from Genesis to Revelation. So we can only do this really well when we look at the historical, the historical context, the style of writing, the biblical context. And then, for example, Revelation, and we often try and interpret Revelation and wonder what it's saying to us. And Mm. it's, you know, it's what they call an apocalyptic writings. So it's about the near and the distant future. And in fact, The people reading it would have understood it well, but we don't. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. So it does require quite a lot of study. And this is the case for Matthew 24, because it refers to the destruction of the temple, AD 70, and also the end time. And in verse 25, it speaks about what people often do uh, talk about the heaven and earth passing away, but not God's word. For us, it seems to predict the complete disappearance of the current earth and solar system. But again, for Jesus' hearers, they would have recognized its reference to Psalms, particularly Psalm 119. And it's not contrasting God's word with a temporary throwaway earth, but it's comparing it favorably with the most stable, unchanging, and amazing earth. Mm. Of course, there will be cleansing and refining judgment, to get rid of all traces of sin and evil. But what is left will be a beautiful, refined, but renewed heaven and earth. Hmm. And this idea is often, people often quote 2 Peter 3, which speaks about the earth being burnt up. Here again, it's referring to the purifying of the earth, of sin. And this, this passage is actually linked to the time of Noah, the flood. And God of course, rescues Noah and his family, makes a covenant not just with Noah and his children, but with all the creatures in the ark. Mm. So this story preempts God's final judgment and the reconciliation of all things mm. at Christ's return. So, so another, you know, to help us understand about this idea of destruction is to understand, well, what does it mean about a new heaven and a new earth? And mm. we read that in Revelation 22.1. And here John is actually using the word kinos, a Greek word kinos, which means renewal, renewal of what already exists rather than something brand new. Mm-hmm. And this is found again in 1 Corinthians, in it speaks, which speaks of our bodies changed but not replaced. So this permanent embodiment demands a significant continuity of some kind of of some some kind between this world and the next. Mm. This idea of continuity also provides part of the ethical basis for creation care. So it's important we adjust our thinking about the material world in accordance to what the scriptures teach us. Mm. Sorry, that was a very long answer to, <laughs> to the well, Matthew a bit, but I have got a bit more about the biblical basis.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's... Brilliant, and certainly very um, complementary but different to the kind of style of uh, narrative that I grew up with in interpreting those passages and also um, the entire Bible or the end of the story, like you said. So um, what, what else did you want to say? Around that that (laughs) theology is I think our theology needs to be challenged because, like you say, we've we've interpreted through a Mm -hmm. particular lens, but understanding what the first century hearers were hearing and their understanding of the renewal of all creation Mm -hmm. actually changes the whole story and then the imperatives that we live by.
0: So the question about caring for creation, what does the Bible say? That it's the whole Bible from beginning to end Genesis to Revelation. And we start with Genesis. God made a beautiful earth, said it was very, very good at the Mm. end. Mm. And he asks us humans to be caretakers, to care for it. Mm. And we're made in his image. So he's, you know, if we're in his image and he loves his earth, then we should love it too. Mm. And then despite the fall, God continues to have this intimate, beautiful relationship with humans and creation. Imagine a, a, a triangle, God at the top, humans on one side, and the earth on the other, all yeah. very deeply interrelated. Mm. And then, of course, sin broke those relationships. Then Christians often say, oh, but Jesus doesn't talk much about the land and He perhaps mentions a little bit about nature, but that's about it. So it can't be important in the New Testament. Mm. But one of the reasons for this is because the New Testament readers, their basis was the Old Testament. They knew, they understood the, Mm. the Old Testament. So they didn't need it all spelt out again and repeated. They got it. They knew it. But there are many, many passages in the New Testament that can guide us as in our understanding of how Christ understood creation. And, for example, 1 John 1 says, Christ was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And then a very, very beautiful, special poem or hymn, One, Colossians 1:15 1, to 20, it states, For in him Christ all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things have been created through him and for him. The last verse is 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things. In fact, the seven all things in that mm. passage. Mm. And by making peace through his blood. So, Christ died on the cross to bring about reconciliation of all things, all his creation, not just humans. And so the triangle becomes reconciled. Mm. So, many New Testament stories speak of Jesus being Lord over creation. His parables often refer to nature. And at his death, there is an an, an eclipse, the earth shakes, the rocks split. That's just not coincidence. Mm. I think they they are part of that terrible death. Mm. But then at the resurrection, the earthquake moves, moves the stone away from the tomb. So again, the earth is responding. And as I've already said, Jesus will return from heaven to earth and there will be a renewed and purified but amazing earth. So there's nothing, nothing in the Bible that suggests God's going to destroy all that he's carefully and amazingly made.
2: Mm.
0: He's asked us to care for it so it can flourish as it's intended.
2: Mm. Mm. So what sort of resistance do you hear as you speak to Christians around the place to that way of understanding the Bible and interpreting our calling on this earth?
0: It's a very new concept for it's it's something that people really struggle to they'd never hear it at church Mm. um and therefore even having a conversation with people you know they they struggle to grasp it because they want to go back to their bibles they want to know is it just sally talking about this is this really in the bible Mm. and i mean there, there will be some who've already started to think about it and it will be they'll start to put the dots together and go, yes, this is really important. Mm. But I I think, you know, if they're not hearing about it at church, Mm. it's it's difficult and for some, you know, it could be quite disturbing.
2: Mm. Yeah. So what sort of reflections do you have about how you think the church in Australia is currently either doing well or, as you've alluded to, maybe not doing well in this area of lifting up creation care? Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think the church is starting to change Mm -hmm. um
2: i've had some interesting
0: conversations with some people from alpha Crucis, and um i've been to talk to some people at table adelaide and uh, yeah there's a growing eagerness i think the uh, Mm tear fund uh survey report Mm -hmm. people that that's woken people up quite a lot Mm -hmm. so there's there is a a new awareness um but but I think people don't, even pastors don't know what to do with it because they mm-hmm. haven't studied it. They don't know quite where to go. Mm. So I think, um, you know, some de- denominations like the Uniting Church is has been on this path for a long time. Mm. Um, but it's the more conservative evangelicals, I think, who struggle. They struggle to see how it can be part of God's mission.
1: Mm. Yes. I
0: think that's, that's a really big thing. And I think, but this is not this idea of mission or creation care being something different isn't, isn't a new idea. Mm. It's, you go back to Plato. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's been part of church history for many years. And as I said, part of goes way back to Plato who introduced the idea that spiritual things are more important than earthly things. Mm. A lot of what people talk about dualism, so everything's mm. split in half. And spiritual things, prayer, Bible, study, Bible, going to church and much much, and bringing people to Christ are much more important. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree that um, you know, the church, we do, we do need to bring people to Christ. but we must realize that God's created us as physical, mental, emotional human beings, who need a healthy flourishing environment in which to live and flourish too. Mm. You know, I think we take the air we breathe, the sun we have, the the flowers we enjoy, we take them for granted, but we actually, we need this earth is in dire straits and we need to look after it,
2: particularly Mm. for
0: future generations. So I think, um, Yeah. So God's also called us to care for our neighbors and tragically, many of them are suffering from the effects of climate change. Mm. So, you know, if we talk about caring for our neighbors, which is part of our mission,
1: Mm. we
0: need to realize our neighbors need a healthy environment in which to live. And at the
2: moment they're not. Mm. And it's the most vulnerable that are being most affected. That's right. Of course. Um, I was going to ask you that question actually where do you think we departed in history where do you think we departed from that ideal of understanding the earth that we're on as God's creation that we're to walk and steward and um and so do you think it's back in the time of Plato who was I think before Jesus
0: I think well I think I mean I think the early church definitely got it you know I should think they didn't they didn't have services in smart church buildings and, you know, lots of <laughs> worship. Uh, they, they were very earthy. And, of course, you know, the communion, the bread mm. and the wine very much from the earth. I, mm. I think a lot went wrong with the Enlightenment, the Industrial Revolution, you know, where you get philosophers and Descartes and Bacon and all these people who had a huge influence on the thinking. And, mm. and I think... They unfortunately, Descartes and Bacon, they would often quote biblical verses, like Mm. God's given us rule to dominate, to take over, to this is the land, promised land that we've been given, basically given to do what we like with it, because human beings, you know, if you look at the, Plato also had a, what they call the chain of being, so you have a chain where you've got God at the top and angels and then man and then probably woman and, unfortunately, the indigenous people that were at the Mm. bottom along with the the rocks and the plants. Mm. And so that's all these ideas have infiltrated into our philosophy, into our history, into our education, into our politics, our economy and the church. Mm. And Mm. um, sadly, it's um, just, you know, if you read... if you listen to old hymns, you know, we're going to escape from this earth, this bad earth, we're going up to this beautiful celestial heaven. Mm. And you go into cathedrals and look up the ceilings. There's all people and angels all floating around up in this heavenly place. It's, it's, it's not biblical. Mm. Jesus is coming back to earth. And, uh, yes, it will be very, very different. It would be extraordinarily beautiful, but um, I don't think we'll just be sitting, singing hymns and playing harps. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Sally, you're part of an organisation called A Rocha. Can you tell us a little bit about um, that organisation and what you all do? So, A Rocha
0: is um, means the rock in Portuguese, because that's where their first um, their first project started in Portugal. Because it's um, Jesus is the rock, our uh, offshore is based on Jesus' teachings, so they decided to keep that name. So it's uh, we're a Christian conservation organization based on you know, Christian values. We work in community with others. We work in cooperation. And we work cross culturally. So there are uh, projects in over twenty countries, mm. and they the projects vary enormously. South America or Africa, there'll often be project, be uh, income generating projects, perhaps planting trees or e- even clean water and all kinds of other things. There's lots of research that goes on and lots of advocacy too. So
1: mm.
0: there's um, particularly in the UK, they do a lot on uh, climate advocacy. We, in Australia, we've just been going since 2016 we have projects in South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland. And so, usually, it's a, a memorandum of understanding with a, another organization. And for, for example, here in South Australia, it's with the council. Mm. And, um, but in the UK or Russia, UK, and, and New Zealand, they run a scheme called the Eco Church Scheme, mm. um, yeah. which is a fabulous way of getting churches involved in um, creation care. And mm. looking at you know, all the all aspects of your church building to internal uh, you know, internal external things, what's going on in the community? What are you doing individually as regards creation care? And so, in the UK, they now have five thousand churches wow. across the denominations involved yeah. in the scheme. Yeah, so, and New Zealand's done it a bit differently, but they did it during COVID, wow. which is amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's very successful there, too. Mm. So to what does that here. look
2: like? What does that look like practically in those churches?
0: Well, it, it's got five um, areas it looks at. It looks at um, your worship and your sermons. What are they about? Um, it looks, as I said, you know, your church building. Have you got solar panels? Have you changed your light bulbs? What's your water? Mm. You know, how can you reduce your costs? Um, then it looks at outside often um, can you do anything about your churchyard, your car park can you make a community Mm. garden could you put more Mm. flowers in could you Mm. encourage birds or uh, just a a lovely place for people to be what's going on in your community is there you know any uh, revenge groups or community gardens that you could join and be part of and encourage people to do these things and then what's the uh, overseas what's you know how can you support how can churches support their neighbors in overseas countries particularly the developing world and then what can people do individually at home mm. so it's an audit scheme and mm. uh, it's all computerized in the UK and they have they start with a very low level bronze and then they move to silver and gold so you know even St Paul's Cathedral has a gold award, so yeah, you know, there's there's even c- churches in big cities can can do do a lot.
2: What a that's great right. sounding scheme! Just to keep things less ambiguous and some concrete actions that can be taken and shared together. I love that.
0: Yeah, that's right. And each and certainly for each mm. area they look at, they will provide lots of resources and ideas. So so it's it's. You know, it's not something you just hand over to a, you know, the church has to be committed to it, but it's not Mm. like they've got to totally design everything themselves. There's Mm. lots that that helps them get going.
2: Sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be then their sole focus either. It's a complementary aspect of holistic ministry. So moving away maybe from the church space slightly and into the community that you're a part of where you are living what are some of the practices that you and your community engage with in the eco village where you live and maybe some of the history of it, like you were mm. telling me when we were face to face as well.
0: Yeah, it's been going 20 years, which is pretty mm. unique for a, 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 a intentional wow. community. Um, it's, it's values are valuing the earth, valuing people and creativity. So it has quite a strong art aspect to it. So there's lots of, artists and creative people here, Mm. um, including a famous opera singer. She's actually a very good Mm. mosaic maker. (laughs) Mm. Uh, So, um, yeah, 200 houses, all made of sustainable materials, and they have solar panels Mm. and water tanks. And um, some people will have their own vegetable gardens, but there is actually an allotment um, in another area Mm. in the village that you can Join others and grow your own vegetables.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, there's also a, a chicken co op and a goat co op that people can join. That's um, so cool. Yeah. And there's a, <laughs> a, a nice. way uh, we have our own wastewater treatment plant, <laughs> which is amazing. So we, yeah, yeah wow. water is you know, the grey water gets used on the, there's lots and lots of vegeta- uh, fruit trees. Mm. And so the grey water gets used on there. So a lot of common land Mm. that has a lot of fruit trees. Um, Mm. And, Mm. yeah, lots of sharing, lots of caring. We, uh, you know, this morning at Mm. 6 o'clock, there was a lady on the, we we were part of what they call like a Facebook page, but not um, a more private one. And she goes, help, I've got Mm. water running into my house. Yeah. You know, she she put out this plea and then next minute there's all kinds of people suggesting what she could do. And so it's, yeah, it's not Mm. perfect. Um, It's very, I find it very good for me learning to interact with people I normally would have absolutely nothing to do with. Mm. I would never meet. Mm. Um, Mm. And there are quite a few Christians living here too. So how did the
1: eco-village actually come about? Like... You said it was 20 years ago was it you know a few people just started gathering or um brainstorming what of this yeah, eco they, village could be you tell us a were, bit about that
0: they'd all done uh, studied the permaculture principles so they already had i mean those those values right. are, yeah. are really about caring for life i mean the values that we have um and so it was those mm. those people and i think mm. There must have been some artistic people in that group. And so it it just evolved and started coming together. And I think they thought of various different places in South Australia and came across this bit of land and must have negotiated with the council or whoever it belonged to. Um, So it just, yeah, and there's lots of different types of houses. They have kind of almost bungalows. I mean, none of them are too big, um, but there are ones for people who are Mm. single or older people so there's lots and lots of different varieties of houses
2: Mm. well i'm fascinated as to how it operates as a community do you have a community mayor and arrangements like that or um or you arrange things by yourselves
0: no no there is there is a presiding officer and um but yeah, it's it, it's it's unusual in that it is quite organic in the way things happen, mm. but we have you know we have it's we have AGMs and so all major decisions are, are decided. We vote, mm-hmm. we all mm. vote and make decisions. So a lot, and you know we give we do give a certain amount back to the village, uh, obviously with our voluntary volunteering, but mm-hmm. also we we there are levies that we pay, not not huge, but that can help fund all kinds of things so people will put in projects ideas and then it's spoken about at the AGM sometimes you have two sub AGM if necessary and then a big one and that's how the decisions are made but lots and lots of voluntary things happen too
2: sure that's brilliant
0: Mm -hmm. I just think that's really inspiring for like
1: I don't know, younger generations, I guess, who yeah, being able to think about mm-hmm. sustainable living and smaller housing and, you know, less energy use, but doing it with, yeah, mm-hmm. a village well, of it's, people, it's, I think that's just amazing. You know, it's
0: totally different to our yeah. economic system that says we're all individuals, you all have your own house, mm-hmm. you need to buy, 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 and that will make you happy but you know here we live much more simply and you know, it's much more pleasant you don't i don't have to go to the shops nearly so
2: often yeah. yeah so i guess we've covered yeah. uh, church sure. we've covered lifestyle there with some as we've become more practical But I think for many people that I've spoken to, adding one more element or dimension of the claims on their life, if you want, can become overwhelming. Uh, And so people don't even know where to start in that area of creation care. So if that were you, where would you suggest uh, some practical things that you'd encourage people to take steps in caring for creation?
0: Mm. Well, I think if you, I mean, I met somebody and she said, oh, I don't do much recycling. And then she had did, did the workshop that I did and she said, and then she told me later, now I've got all my housemates, they're all recycling and we do it really well now. Mm. So I think being motivated, doing it with others can help. Yes. So, um, um, and mm. certainly that, mm. that I've known of others that like to do things with others. And you, you could perhaps have a vegetable garden. Mm. Share it with others or or do it yourself. Um, Try and buy just what buy food that you just need, so you're not throwing away too much. Yes. Um, You could also Mm. buy grains from bulk food shops. Again, you're not using plastic, and um, you can use containers, bottles, and things to store Mm. it in. And importantly, to buy our clothes and our household. Items from from Facebook pages or from op shops. Mm. Yeah, we have many Facebook Mm. pages, groups Mm. that you can negotiate and buy things from. Mm. Um, And I I think, you know, certainly reducing our carbon footprint. We can catch the bus more, ride a bike, um, try to reduce our meat consumption or even become vegetarian. Mm. Reduce our flying if possible. Mm -hmm. And really important is move our money from the four big banks that support fossil fuels Mm -hmm. uh, into more ethical ones. And actually, Mm -hmm. that's easier said. That's that's quite, it's not as difficult as people think it is because the bank, the ethical bank you're moving to actually are so happy to have you as a new customer. They will assist you in 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 a lot of ways so um, people need to be aware of that Um, Mm. and the other thing is to ensure your Mm. superannuation is with an ethical fund Mm -hmm. that's really important so we can study books on the reason for creation care there's lots of really excellent ones available these days and if you you can get involved in a Christian environmental organisation like Arosha. Mm. It's um, there's a, a good group in Victoria, Melbourne, and uh, you can become part of an advocacy group. Tearfund has a very good advocacy group, mm-hmm. um, mm. and it you know, doesn't have to be with Christians. Mm. Nice to be with Christians, but there are plenty of others that um, you talk to your local MPs, write letters. Um, mm. And find find others that are interested in creation care and, and start talking about it together. Mm. Um, mm. And I think, I mean, the other mm. important book for everybody to read is Catherine Hayhoe, mm-hmm. who's written Saving Us. Um, where's her book? Saving Us, A Climate Scientist's Case for Hope and Healing in a Divided World. Mm. And her key message, so Catherine Hayhoe is a, a climate scientist, a very well-known one, evangelical Christian. And uh, this she says, just start talking about it. Mm. Just start talking about it. And, mm. and, lots, and I, lots of people want to have conversations, but mm. they don't know where to begin. So she says, just share your story, why you're concerned. And mm. you'd be surprised how people start opening up and sharing mm. their story. And you can move on from there.
2: Mm -hmm. that's probably thank you that's probably the most Mm -hmm. practical out of all those starting points i know after meeting (laughs) you i've been energized to really um, make sure everyone in the house is sorting the recycling well and then the non-recyclables that are or the non-council recyclables that are easier just to throw out we've started sorting them into the garage as well so i think sorting out uh, uh, talking about it has impacted um, me and my son, and we've enhanced practices out of, I guess, more of an enthusiasm based on meeting with you and talking about it. And so I'd encourage others to do the same. Mm, that's excellent. Great.
1: Mm. Well, Sally, thank you so much um, for sharing your story and sharing your wisdom and experience with us. Um, and, yeah, hopefully You know people here are encouraged and inspired to have the conversations within their churches within their families with their friends and take those the small steps and then hopefully it all contributes to the bigger picture as well um, as we dive Mm. deeper into actually looking after god's creation um to finish off we usually do ask quick (laughs) questions at the end just for something fun (laughs) with our guest (laughs) um so these questions um fill in the blank surrendering
0: to jesus means well realizing that a sacrificial life is a life of joy simplicity and enjoying god's amazing creation
1: beautiful and what is your favorite type of
0: music Well, uh, yeah all kinds of music but i love the potter's gate and Resound is a, a british british group who just started producing some fabulous music
1: nice and if you could have coffee with a hero of the faith living or dead who mm. would it
0: be john Stott. john Stott. yep and if you could travel anywhere in the world where would you go i would love to go to the uk to see my family yeah but i prefer to go on a ship than fly because mm. <laughs> i <I've> used <laughs> up too many carbon footprints <laughs>
1: Nice. <laughs> and what is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now?
0: Uh, it, living in Aldinga. We live near a beautiful beach. So it's
2: a very special place to be in. Mm. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Sally. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your con- contribution to this podcast and also to our time as we gathered as surrender really appreciate it and we'd encourage everyone to follow some of those simple things that you've talked about to engage that conversation further it's an inspiration lots to think about and we really appreciate your time and help
0: my pleasure it's been lovely thank you very much for having me over to you how
1: will you respond to jesus's radical call to the margins surrender partners with dozens of organizations and initiatives Join us and others and take action at surrender.org.au.